The Vancouver School of Theology is located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. Welcome to Bruderholtz, the podcast of the Vancouver School of Theology. My name is Todd Weeb, and I'll be uh, part of the podcast in some of the episodes moving forward. And uh, I'm here with Allison Williams. Hello. Who is a student at VST. I am. I've been a student at VST and hope to continue to be, and I'm a friend of the institution and some of the uh, professors and others there and have... Uh, uh, had really positive influence in my life through VST, and uh, and I'm really pleased to be doing this. So our guest today is uh, the person who will be facilitating the conversations in this podcast moving forward, the principal of VST, Richard Topping. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Great to be here. Nice to, nice to have you here as we kind of close out 2020. This will be released in 2021 uh, yes. when everything <laughs> becomes new again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So uh, why don't we just jump right in? Tell us about Bruderholtz, the name, because I would imagine those listening, some people would be like, what's this? Bruderholtz VST. Uh, what's the idea? How does it relate to what we're doing here? Great. Thanks, uh, Todd. Yeah, Bruderholtz is uh, the name of actually a sort of restaurant pub in Basel. It's open to this day. And it was a place where uh, Karl Barth, who taught at the University of Basel, would meet with students. He taught his English students there, actually, oftentimes on the weekend. Then after he retired in the early 60s um, in, in Basel, you don't teach anymore at the school once you're retired. So he held class really at the Bruderholz with all kinds of groups, uh, people who wanted to meet with him. And he often paid for lunch. And, oh, did uh, but, he? <laughs> yeah, he often paid for lunch. And at the end of, and at the, end of the discussion, they often, uh, often paid him with some kind of alcoholic beverage, uh, and Bart goes into great detail. He's very good at thanking people for gifts of, of alcohol. Um, anyhow, in, in these meetings, uh, Bart says they had a different character uh, meeting at a restaurant than in a classroom. He said when he taught in the classroom, he taught theology dogmaticos. That's like he laid out some propositions and said, okay, let's discuss this. And many of his lectures in the classroom are the basis for the church dogmatics, a long right. uh, a collection of his writings. But he said, when we're meeting here in this restaurant slash pub, uh, we're not meeting dogmaticos. He said, we're meeting gymnaticos. Uh, we're going to try out a few ideas. And so it's Bart at his most conversational. In fact, a, a lot of uh, collections of Bart's conversations just recently published um, Daryl Guder, uh, who was the editor of those and tra helping translate them into English, are really conversations with students and groups of people at this restaurant uh, over a number of years. And you really get a sense of his personality. So when we were thinking about the podcast, we thought, oh, what a great approach. Um, uh, this was pub theology before there was right. pub theology yeah. with Karl Barth. <laughs> now, so that and, means we're, we're in the Zoom days right now, but yeah. that means clearly at some point we're going to have to record in restaurants and pubs. Oh, can we? Right? I think yeah. that's a fantastic There's, there's a few thing. out on campus that we could probably <laughs> avail ourselves of, right? I was looking into that Barton conversation in the mm -hmm. first volume, um, mm -hmm. and in terms of Bruderholtz, there's mm -hmm. this note of this dialogue between Bart and, 
in this case, it would be a group of pietists who I think were kind of mm-hmm. questioning some of, of how he was laying things out. So it yeah. literally says in the book Bard in Conversation, it says this dialogue took place in the morning and afternoon. So it seems to be mm-hmm. rather lengthy on October mm-hmm. 6, 1959. And in this case, uh, and this is where I'm interested in this for what you want to do with this podcast mm-hmm. and how it relates to the Vancouver School of Theology in general. Bart's talking about some things there that, um, as someone who grew up in the evangelical church, I'm amazed to hear he was saying these things back then. Of course, that's my ignorance as well. Of it. But mm-hmm. So he's talking about, like, he'll say things like, you guys are always into emphasizing lostness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's, or, or you seem to be put off that I don't talk enough about human decision, but I'm really interested in, in talking about God's decision. Mm-hmm. And so very much what you're saying, these things have this conversational tone yeah. that just move this theological discussion along, but that seem to matter in the world, yes. um, as you say, more than simply just in the classroom. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I mean, it's interesting in the collections of these conversations with Bart, some of them take place in, the, in, in Bruderholz, but some of them are at radio stations, often in public venues with well-known playwrights. Uh, so sometimes Bart has been uh, uh, maligned by saying he's not a very public theologian. I don't mm. know a theologian who got to this many publics, yeah. And he's really good. And the way in which, you know, the gymnaticos gets at it, but the way in which he modulates his register, the way he communicates, he's really good at adapting to speak to the people he's mm-hmm. speaking with. Um, and it's, for the most part, sort of non-anxious conversations. Yeah. Um, he can take a point and he can give a point. So um, and so that's the kind of character of discussion, I think, that would be good. That's the hope for the tone of, of these conversations. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll kind of ask then the next question. As a principal of a theo- theological school, why uh, would a theological school matter at a time like this, where we are in our world right now? Well, um, I always want to say to this question when people ask me about theology or why faith matters and all. I mean, uh, it's a risky thing to say because it's true, <laughs> mm. right? Um, be- because there is a God. And there is a God who has chosen not to be God without human partners. And there is a God who loves the world. And, and that matters a lot uh, to us just now. Uh, we're, in, we're coming around the season of uh, Christmas just now. And so just for example, uh, one of the things we do here is we'll, we, we study who Jesus Christ is, talk about incarnation. And what does it mean to be um, made in the image of God or the image of Christ? And how does that um, influence human life? Uh, we learn from the Bible, say in the first chapters of Genesis, that people are created in God's image and that the image of God is actually our co-humanity, mm-hmm. right? It's not just individual faculties like you can reason or will or imagine. Those are important. But God creates humanity in God's image and then God creates male and female. So to be human is to be made for community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a word of relief in a culture that thinks Human maturity is all about autonomy. And we go around trying to be autonomous and then can't sleep at night because we can't get the things to do list and we're lonely and isolated. And then you hear this refreshing news that theology tells that we've actually been made for human communion with each other. Nobody's self-sufficient. In fact, we're radically dependent on God and desperately interdependent on one another. Now you can breathe and live like a human being. Um, it's not all up to you. Um, that in a culture in which it's a compliment to have put on your tombstone, he was a self-made man. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's actually probably not true. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. self-made. Well, I think it's an interesting question in, in terms of mm-hmm. um, 
educational institutions in general. Mm-hmm. So not just theological schools, but um, mm-hmm. like higher education mm-hmm. uh, across the board. That And uh, one of the visiting profs that we've taken a course with at VST mm-hmm. last summer, mm-hmm. uh, Willie mm-hmm. Jennings from Yale Divinity mm-hmm. School, um, mm-hmm. presents this in some of his thinking where he says like that uh, uh, education has been set up to kind of support this mastery, this self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that's a distortion, right? That, um, And so to hear what you're saying, this idea of, um, well, in a sense, belonging in what we're doing together. Um, mm-hmm. Theology, Jennings mentions this word. He says a word that, that is associated with theological schools right now, the time we're living in, is decline. Mm -hmm. That theological schools are supposed to be, as the story goes, in decline. Now, VST is not in decline. Uh, I would imagine some of that has to do with your previous answer. But why is VST not in decline? Why do you see good things happening and hope into the future? Yeah, I mean, I think VST is not in decline uh, because there's an atmosphere of hope. Mm. um, And I think I that none of us are teaching here as refugees from the church. Um, in other words, uh, everyone who teaches here has found the church a source of life, um, the place where they learned about God's mercy and compassion for the world. And it actually has uh, formed us to be the kind of teachers that we are. We're engaged with the church and the world. Um, the, the other thing at VST is that the old boundaries don't work. Uh, you, you know, uh, theological schools have to be careful not to follow the media and how they place themselves. And that is either you're a secularist or you're a fundamentalist. Now that you've named the extremes, what about everything in between? Right. And so VST has become, I think, astute at uh, blurring boundaries, at saying, you know, he, here's what we're doing. Uh, we have a mission statement. We're forming and educating thoughtful, engaged, and generous Christian leaders. And that has broad appeal. That's got some real traction. And it cuts against the grain of some ways in which uh, we have isolated ourselves one another. I think everybody here likes to blur the boundaries. And so we're learning from uh, a broad constituency. I think the other thing we're doing is we just uh, finished two agreements with international schools in the Philippines and in Indonesia, where this, where the church is growing. And we have Indonesia. We have people from the from the majority world in classrooms. Mm-hmm. And so when people start to tell the narrative of decline, they say, uh, we don't get that. Like yeah. the church is growing so fast where we are that we can't build them fast enough. And uh, and what happened to all of you? Um, aren't you the people who sent the missionaries to us and now we come back? And anyhow, so, so there's that sort of vitality. But I think just being hopeful, reaching out, uh, welcoming whom God sends, that matters and not getting all caught up in uh, the kind of verbiage that doesn't help, mm. that, set, that, that put, puts us against one another. Um, mm. One of the delightful things about VST is in our DNA, 2021 is our 50th anniversary, but VST is born in the heydays of ecumenism, right? In yeah. 1971, VST starts, and it's actually formed in anticipation of the joining together of the United and Anglican churches, which didn't happen, but should it happen, we're ready. Um, but that, that ecumenical <laughs> DNA um, is really important. Uh, ecumenism was born out of a concern for mission, that how can we tell the world that God loves that uh, we, we are the church, the people of God, and that in Jesus Christ, God reconciled the world to himself, but we're not talking to each other, we Christians. Right. That, that's a scandal. 
And so, uh, you know, Jesus' prayer in John's gospel, Lord, make them one that the world, God, make them one that the world might know that the Father sent the Son. The credibility of the gospel is tied up in our ability to be friendly and to work with each other as much as we possibly can. And so uh, it's remarkable, the, the, the bandwidth of the school. Mostly it takes two or three institutions what we're doing in one. And a lot of that comes down to Christian kindness and character and welcome, not to cut people off before they have a chance to say um, how it is that they've appropriated the gospel mm -hmm. and how they're trying to live faithfully as a follower of Jesus Christ. So 1971, mm -hmm. the, uh, someone who's on faculty there at, at VST, mm -hmm. uh, Ross Lockhart, mm -hmm. who I know, he recommended a book to me a while back. Um, he, he presented it at a conference he was speaking at. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the title of the book. I just remember it was a study on like church going in Canada. And it, it I can talked see about... The, I can see the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got some funny name, like, you know, mm -hmm. it's clever. But um, it it basically uh, presents that, uh, you know, the church in general, evangelical church and others, back to this word decline, that we've mm -hmm. seen, like, less and less attendance. And it goes mm -hmm. to great lengths to say this is true not only in kind of mainline churches, but in conservative churches as well, because sure. there's kind of been this misconception that, that conservative churches have not faced decline, and, and they have. Mm -hmm. But in that book, they say, they, they kind of present the year, and it's a giveaway now because we've been talking about, when was church attendance per capita at its highest in Canada? Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. a guess. When was its peak? 1971? 1971. <laughs> and <laughs> since then, it's been in decline. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, and now I think a little bit about what they're presenting is that, uh, there was a while where like culturally you had to go to church. It was mm -hmm. the thing to do. And once that was gone. And so it's interesting to me that VST, uh, speaks into a place that doesn't have these hard divisions and these hard lines and these, uh, mm -hmm. arguments, though it is definitely engaged in, um, in fulsome theological discussions. So mm -hmm. you have a number of students, you have a uh, student body is growing. Um, we mm -hmm. have somebody here on the mic who's a new student, yes. Allison. <laughs> so I could ask Richard this in terms of you can think of this in general, but I'll ask Allison first. Um, what is it that made you think, I'm going to go take courses at, at VST? What's appealing about VST itself? Well, I think that I'm in, in the minority of um, the student body who doesn't attend one of uh, the three major supporting denominations, Anglican, United, Presbyterian. Um, I'm outside of that. I come from a Baptist background, so this is all very different for me. Um, and I think I'm also probably in the minority, and Richard, you can definitely correct me here, uh, that I, I don't have an intention of, of being a pastor. Um, I Would, don't have what about most students? Do they? Yeah, I mean, it, the demographic of the school, I mean, still the majority of students are Anglican, United, Presbyterian. That's about, you know, 75, 80% of the student body. But the largest single incoming group this past fall are Christian, uh, 20 new people came in who aren't Anglican, United, or Presbyterian. Including you, uh, Allison. Yeah. So one of the growth areas of the school would, would be what I would call sojourner evangelicals. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that? People who are interested in social justice, so the emphasis of mainline Protestantism on engagement with the culture really appeals. Engagement in the name of Jesus Christ, the transformation of the world, uh, seeking equitable arrangements, uh, not just waiting for salvation somewhere else some other day, but that salvation means, uh, you know, ameliorating conditions for people in the name of Jesus now. 
And that's a really interesting group that has, that there's lots of overlap. There's enough overlap to make it possible. There's enough difference to make it interesting. Mm. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so sojourning evangelical, you I, might be able to I'd be okay that. with that term. Um, and, and there's part where for me, I found VST, um, I, I kind of was, was pulled in by, by Todd to the, um, the Willie Jennings course and just really, really enjoyed it and have had several um, interactions with a number of faculty that have all been really, like you said, hopeful, positive. Um, and there was a time where I was a little concerned about how, how to talk about faith uh, after some, some, some interesting church experiences. But um, I found VST to, to feel like a place where I could have questions and I could work some stuff out it's and like, I wasn't going to be like chastised for having yeah. like some sort of like heretical philo- like uh, theology. It, it's like, it, oh, they're talking about God and faith <laughs> and religion and it's not making me angry. Yeah. And no. it's not making me feel like I'm part of this like little subculture somewhere. This has to do with mm-hmm. the world. Well, and, and Richard, like you talked about with, with kind of like the mission statement of creating a thoughtful, engaged and, and generous Christian leaders that that really appealed to me because I was like, Okay, so people who who seek to actually be engaged, it's not trying to be exclusive, and people who are generous, so it's not just about fighting, people who are thoughtful, so it's not just about just being nice to each other, like there's actual like intentionality and intellect and thought that goes into this. Um, It was all very appealing to me. And so far, so good. So far, so good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Richard, tell us about yourself, how you wound up as principal at VST, how you got to where you are uh, right now, yeah. what inspires your work there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I was, um, I, I'm a Presbyterian minister. I, I had a two-point charge in rural Ontario. So I, I was one minister in two churches, and I moved from that to a large downtown church where I was one of three ministers in one congregation wow, that had as many people in the choir as I had in my previous church, a 60-voice choir, a wow. cathedral in downtown Montreal with, you know, a thousand people in church and the large staff. Um, but when I was uh, ministering there, and I love ministry, I still love ministry. I think that's where all the, that's where Jesus does his best work, um, you know, and you get a front row seat for all of that. But I was teaching at the same time at our seminary at McGill, uh, okay. Presbyterian College. And so I was mostly a minister with, you know, a, uh, what we call the gig economy. My gig was teaching right. at the university. <laughs> and so an opportunity came. They had a chair, actually, it's through St. Andrew's Hall. They sold a piece of land and put up a building and they had sufficient income to have a chair in uh, reformed theology. So I came um, uh, to an endowed chair here in Mm. reformed theology and uh, began uh, doing that. And then the position of principal came open. I had no aspirations to do that when I arrived. And it was mostly my colleagues who said, you know, you should Mm. do this. Um, You seem organized. And, uh, and I, I don't know if this is a very good way to talk about one's calling, but I think I applied for the job because I was afraid of who might, uh, um, because well, I'd no, be I working think, for yeah. them. Oh, so, oh true, because so. you were at St. Andrew's Hall. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so then, uh, I get this. So now how many years have you been principal? I, I've been the principal now. I'm in my, uh, this is, uh, wow, uh, 2013. So oh. I'm going into, I started in the summer of 2013. I'm into my eighth year now, and I've just renewed my contract for another five years. But I've been here for 11 years, going on 11 and a half years, 
And it seems like it's just done very, very quickly. And I continue to teach theology and, and be the principal at the same time. Yeah, I think that's I, I, yeah, one of the interesting things is that you, you keep teaching. You teach regularly. We've taken courses. I've taken a course with him this semester. Yeah, and I took a course <laughs> yeah, with you yeah. a couple summers ago, you and, and uh, uh, Jason Biasi, fantastic yeah. course. And um, So you're still teaching your principal. Mm-hmm. What is it that, obviously, the fact that you're teaching, mm-hmm. um, that matters to you? Oh, yes. I mean, I teach a first-year course in the fall and a third-year course in the spring. Then I can see the value added of a the, of a BSD theological education. I see mm-hmm. the difference that theological education makes in the lives of students, um, and it's it's great to be involved with students to listen to where they're coming from, to read their work, and get a read on, um, you know, what's important to life just now. Um, uh, to, to give you a sense of this, may, maybe this is helpful. So I did a workshop at the Anglican Church, and uh, it was all clergy. And I set them in table groups and I said, okay, let's lament. What, what do you miss about the way the church was? And there was groups. And, and I said, come on, it's, uh, it's an invitation to complain. And some did, you know, here's what I miss about church <laughs> now that it's post-Christendom. And, you know, we don't have the same regard. And then there was one table of people maybe under 35. And they said, we don't get the question. And I thought, oh, thanks be to God. Uh... You know, they, no, really, these are people who have chosen this particular path. Not because that, that's a big change, not because there was cultural regard attached, but because they had a deep sense of call and this is the way they were going to serve Christ in the world. And so I think we're seeing a change that way. The demographic of our incoming class is younger and younger. It's about eight years younger now than when I first began. Wow, that's significant. So we're, we're seeing more uh, and more students like Allison, people. Uh, maybe 80% or so are are thinking about some kind of ministry, whether congregational or adjunct to the right. church. Um, but most people come in and they say, you know, I'm studying for ministry, but I don't want to be a traditional minister. And at first I thought, well, get in line, you know. Yeah, who but, hasn't but, said that? <laughs> I want to at, be. <laughs> at, <laughs> but after you hear that for five years, you think, ah, oh, listen to what the Spirit right. is saying to the church. Uh, m- maybe this is because what the church needs is not people who are going to be status quo, but people who are going to disturb the way things are because we need a different sort of future than the past. And these are the people God is sending us, and uh, we need to listen uh, to to what people are saying, especially when it comes in the form of a choir and not just a solo. (laughs) So um, Mm -hmm. let's take a couple steps back and Mm -hmm. go to kind of, you know, assume people don't know what is vst what's a what theological school place? why would anybody go to, is it a seminary <laughs> I might is, have had some of those bible, is it a bible school <laughs> it's not a bible school is it um for those who have no idea about theological schools and have never heard of vst uh, mm-hmm. place it for us what mm-hmm. is the vancouver school of theology Okay, so the vancouver school of theology is a theological college which is like a seminary Um, in the sense that our main task, we were founded way back when, really to prepare people for ministry. Uh, Prior to 1971, there were two. uh, The United Church had Union uh, College from 1927 and the Anglican Theological College. They were both here when the University Mm -hmm. of British Columbia came to this site. Uh, And so uh, people have been prepared uh, for ministry here for over, you know, pretty near 100 years, uh, coming up to 100 years in uh, 2027. Um, so they joined together in 1971, but the, the real the central task, the mandate of the school has been to prepare people for ministry. And that's evolved through time. 
Um, so, so it is a theological college whose principal task is to prepare people for ministry. But a couple of things that make VST unique. How do you prepare people for ministry in this time? Well, there's the legacy of residential schools. Mm -hmm. Um, the founding denominations and then the, the, the Presbyterians came in in the 1950s, uh, all were involved, uh, uh, complicit with the government in residential schools, and there's been apologies made. And VST has for 35 years actually been doing indigenous ministry. Uh, we uh, think we need a different future than a past, and it hasn't just been us doing that. We have an indigenous studies program, which is preparing indigenous uh, leaders for the indigenous church. And so that's been going on for 35 years. We were the first school to do an MDiv by extension for indigenous students in remote communities here in British Columbia. And so that's been going on for some time. And Ray Aldridge currently directs that. Ray is Cree from Alberta. Uh, the other thing is religious pluralism. How do you prepare in uh, a context of religiously plural, the mosaic that is Canada, multicultural Canada, which means uh, Christianity has been disestablished. Well, you need to work with people from other faith traditions. So we also have a professor who's a rabbi. And uh, the interfaith element and the indigenous element, it's not as though you could go through here and not have mm -hmm. to deal with that. Right. Those are not beside the point. It's like DNA. Uh, it's all wrapped together. You can't get a theological education at VST without learning a great deal about the legacy of residential schools and the prospects for the future with uh, indigenous with the indigenous church and also uh, learning how to make friends with people from other faith traditions uh, so we use charles taylor but he talks mm -hmm. about overlapping consensus mm -hmm. that simply means if we wait to do things in public with people of goodwill and other faiths until everybody agrees about everything it's never going to happen but we can agree on the things to be done and people can operate out of their own best convictions in doing them and so we teach our students to look for that overlapping consensus so they can make an impact in the communities mm -hmm. where they live and have friends uh, beyond the ministerial uh, to an interreligious group where impacts can be made in communities mm -hmm. for the betterment of the world that God loves. So we are a theological school, but with those, um, those uh, what was it? they're not add-ons anymore. They're essential to what we do. Part of the character of, of who you are. So yeah. you're, you are a degree-granting institution. So Correct. the majority of people who have a relationship in terms of student, like Allison, you're there and working yes. towards a degree. Yes. So you start mm -hmm. this journey, part-time, full-time, <laughs> kind of as students and pe people who are listening to it would be like, oh man, that's a big undertaking. How do we, how I'm, do I I'm do not that? Cool how long is that going to take? How? A long time. But some people, I guess, a number of students, Richard must just kind of be like, I'm interested in this. I'm going to start. Yeah, so, so we have uh, master's degrees. Um, we're a graduate school. We also do a PhD together with Durham in the UK. But there, there are also people who do degrees for certificate and uh, diploma level, which is a value added for leaders mm -hmm. and congregations. So they're learning alongside of people who will do ministry. And a lot of people are, uh, we have a program for deacons. Um, so it's um, multi-layered. Uh, we also do a program to educate lay people where we go out and do the VST Academy at churches. Um, but part of the, the secret sauce maybe at VST has been that uh, willingness to prepare the church for engagement with culture now at a variety of levels. At the degree level, certainly, that's where our bread and butter is. But we're doing um, lay education. 
We're doing value-added credentialing people who teach Sunday school, work with youth. We have a program mm -hmm. for that now. Um, partnerships have been really important mm -hmm. for us. That so you way. don't have to be uh, looking for a degree to have a relationship with the Vancouver School of Theology. Correct. It's a, a no. community that reaches far beyond that, right? No, it's a community that, that's just interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, and and again back to these these ways of speaking about God and faith that I think I mean I'll say is my relationship with uh, you and the school in general. I met you through a mm -hmm. Bart reading group. We've talked about Bart already, but um, yeah. and at a time in my work as a pastor and as someone who was leading a church or helping to lead a church, that some of the things I discovered through my relationship with VST and through this reading group and other things was mm -hmm. just this refreshing sense. I wasn't, there was no crisis of faith or anything, but it was kind of for such a time as this that, oh, I can speak about God in, in these ways, in these, yeah. and, and that has continued. Um, mm -hmm. It is something that uh, I would encourage those who are listening to, you know, keep looking up VST, look up the faculty and the rest. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. speaking of the faculty, um, introduce mm -hmm. a little bit of the faculty to us, because that's going to be, as mm -hmm. we move forward with Bruderholtz, it's going to be basically yeah. conversations with uh, faculty, visiting professors, others. Um, mm -hmm. Tell mm -hmm. us about these people, why they're there, what yeah. difference they uh, make. Yeah, well, our faculty, I mean, we're adding to our faculty again in the near future. But I mean, I think there's some common threads uh, with our faculty. I mentioned one, that they care about the church, um, that uh, our, our professor, uh, our Jewish professor, Rabbi Laura, she, she's, been, she's been in a congregation as well. Um, she, she was rabbi in a congregation. And so these are people who care about what happens to the church, who want to form leaders for the church uh, now in these, this set of circumstances. Um, and so I think, I think that's remarkable. Uh, not every theological school hires people with the amount of pastoral experience that this school has. I mean, on a given Sunday, most of our professors are preaching mm. somewhere. Um, uh, during COVID, sometimes they're preaching in yeah. two different places on the same <laughs> Sunday. So, um, um, so, so, so there's, there's that. I think they're committed to, to scholarship in the field. If you look at the kinds of things they're writing, uh, they're they're engaged with the scholarly guild, but they're also engaged with uh, church leaders. Um, uh, they're also interested in writing for intelligent lay people. Mm. Uh, so so much of the genre of what gets written here. You, if you've read Scientific American, you know that's sort of science for intelligent lay people. A lot of our professors do the same with theology. They're writing theology for intelligent lay people for church leaders, but in a way that goes beyond that I mean, we take the thoughtful piece of our of our um of our uh, mission statement very very seriously that way yeah it's one of the things that in in reading even preparing for this conversation some of the things i was reading around theological education um mm -hmm. i think it was jennings again but uh, mentions that uh, the, the move from being kind of a lover of God to one who thinks and talks about God as a theological mm -hmm. move, maybe attaching you to a theological institution, but then mentioned that one of the dangers of the theological enterprise in terms of education is the uh, that the word escape. That somehow you know, if you want to, if if you're a lover of God, then and you want to be someone who's thinking and speaking about God, you can kind of cloister yourself off a little bit, and that has been at sometimes one of the critiques of theological institutions. You're describing something that's very different, something that's engaged with the world as these theological conversations yeah. are happening. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of difference between talking about God and talking to God. Hmm. 
and um, theology is born in prayer. It's one of the, one of the reasons why I like Bart. I mean, he's, he, he, you can't be a theologian without prayer. Um, theology is kind of contemplative action. Um, it's faith-seeking understanding. It's not bracketing out what you believe most truly in order to understand something you've just alienated yourself mm. from by bracketing it out. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and, and that very often is the, is the approach, uh, the so-called critical approach uh, of many people to, you know, you bracket out your, uh, this was one of the tricks of modernity, that agnosticism became the default position and we called it neutrality, right? <laughs> so if you just forget everything you believe about God and adopt, uh, you know, every government-sponsored state-approved approach to knowing, uh, now what do you make of God? And it's very interesting what people make of God when they bracket out God. <laughs> it usually means theology becomes about us uh, and God is marginalized in those discussions. Um, our, our religious feelings or what religious people do. Uh, a theological school is different from that. I mean, God is at the heart of it. God is most, it's, well, not the most, it's the only interesting thing yeah. about what we do. <laughs> right? Here, here to that. Now, Allison, you, um, you never... Were you ever in the old building at VST? No, although I think I can see it behind. Is that Richard. it behind you there on the screen? Yes, do, yes. Yeah. that's what I've been looking at. It looks like a. It looks like, so there was the big stone kind yes. of the. Now, Very different now. Since you've been there, you're in a mm -hmm. new building now. Yes. Um, you're no longer in this old kind of. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, aren't you kind of outgrowing your new building? Yeah, we're 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 kind of outgrowing our building. Yeah, we have plans for our anniversary to expand our facility. Although when we left the building behind, it looks like a castle. We mourned leaving there. But a lot, lots of us said, you know, it's a lot easier teaching post-colonial theology when you're not in a castle. Oh, it's, it's a stone <laughs> castle overlooking the city. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, it is beautiful. beautiful. And of course, but, overlooking the but water. But I understand that tension else. that you're talking about, Richard, where, and I mean, I think this is one of the things, again, that, that drew me as a student is there, there is intentionality about mm -hmm. not, not um, cloistering yourself off from the world mm -hmm. in order yeah. to pursue like this exclusive sense of, of theological mm -hmm. study, but understanding mm -hmm. um, the, the necessity to reach out to people who may um, not be, have, well, certainly have not always been included in that circle mm -hmm. and, and being mm -hmm. intentional about being post-colonial. And um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's mm -hmm. very important. But it, in, including too, one of the things I'm, I like about this school is, Richard, I think this is you and I'm sure others, um, mm -hmm. engaging on campus as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've been to a number of theological uh, schools at various campuses, like even, you know, you can go to even old institutions in the United States or wherever, and mm -hmm. the theological school tends to be kind of like really disconnected, right? Yeah. Um, now, that building, so that's in my head, because mm -hmm. that old, building? old stone colonial type building, mm -hmm. is it mm -hmm. commerce part of the commerce department now? Is that... It, no, it's now the uh, an economics building. Yeah. Oh, economics. Okay, economics. it's perfect. So it's the new kind of cathedral yes. type thing. Yes, when we sold the building, I had many calls about how did I feel about a building that used to be where we taught theology had now become the economics building. And I said, well, economists are a lot like Christians. You're proud of some of them. <laughs> <laughs> but one, one of the things that you've, uh, you're partnering with, other parts and other uh, schools on campus. Yes. So we have a program together with the Sauter School for Business because part of the feedback we were getting from church leaders is that uh, clergy 
Uh, they're well-educated in theological disciplines, and we have not relaxed that requirement at right. all. But there is also the business and administrative aspects of leadership, uh, reading a balance sheet. How do you know if uh, the priorities of your uh, mission statement are actually happening? Well, read the balance sheet. Where right. are you spending your money? Mm -hmm. And if you can't read a balance sheet, it leaves you uh, kind of um, uh, less than fully engaged uh, as a leader. And so, you know, leading through times of change, we can learn from uh, other uh, disciplines about leading through times of change, how to read a balance sheet, excellence in administration. These are the courses that our students uh, take. You do um, this in uh, partnership with Sauter with the School, Sauter of School for Business. Yeah. So they're doing yeah. like and we, MBAs and stuff over there, but you're saying let's connect with you because we want to help yes. our students. Yeah. 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 So that's an adjunct skill that's, that's really great. important for leadership just now. Um, VST has thrived through partnerships, right? Um, so now we have these partners with international uh, uh, schools where the, where the church is growing. You talked earlier about how mainline Protestantism uh, and now maybe more conservative Protestantism has, uh, in we're habituated in the narrative of decline. We love to tell yeah. that story. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with a kind of virtuous edge, yeah. you know, we're so yes. faithful to Jesus that nobody comes anymore. Yeah. Like I, I don't buy it, right? <laughs> Um, if you numbers matter, and if you have a problem with that, take it up with Luke. Luke seems to think that where the Holy Spirit is at work, things flourish, and like the whole town was there, everybody yeah. was there. The Lord added daily to their number. So I think you know, getting over any shame about growth, growth can be a good thing um, because growth means life, and the Spirit gives life to the church. And so uh, we love people who come to us who aren't habituated in the narrative of growth. I mean, 50% mm -hmm. of all Christians who have ever lived have been alive in the last 100 yeah. years. I mean, that's incredible. 40% uh, of all Christians alive are in Africa. Um, the Asian church grows by 36,000 people a day. So uh, we need, uh, th that's why we have these partnerships. I mean, it does wonders for us to know that um, our limited view of the world in the West is not the view of the whole world. More people are affiliated with religious traditions now than ever have been. Mm -hmm. And in the secular West, we wonder about that, but it's just, we don't have a very good picture of the wider world and the way in which religion shapes uh, geopolitics in so many ways. Yeah, I was gonna ask that kind of question in that area, because one of the things that I've been encouraged about in my connection with VST has been, I kind of have this, pride maybe that's too you know harsh of a word but um in being connected to something like vst because i feel you guys are asking the questions of how this theological institution matters not only for christians and those who believe and even those who would attend <laughs> right yeah. and not only with some mission of trying to pull them over to our side of the line so to speak mm -hmm. like get them to mm -hmm. but that it that this theological institution matters in the world that it matters on the campus of UBC, that it matters mm -hmm. in the city of Vancouver, in the country of Canada. Sure. And sure. and that kind of ethos is present there. How, what more can you yeah. tell us about that? You you like your work for some of those reasons, I would think. Oh, and, and the opportunities that it affords are incredible. I mean, over in West Van, there's a group of people who meet to talk about matters that concern public life. And let's just say it's not always comfortable for the Christian to be there. It's not the dominant ethos, right. but I go and we talk and I've learned that I have things in common with atheists. For example, that bad ideas about God are dangerous. Uh, we can agree on that. 
And so we, we've had debates and friendships. I have some of those folks sending me emails now asking me to pray for them. Wow. Um, they give me cookies to bring back to BST students. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, curiosity can take you across bridges, right? Uh, literally, in this case, to West Bend. But, but it can bring you into the company. But it's that sort of non-anxious presence that says, you know, in every conversation, there's something to be learned and something to be exchanged. And, um, you know, uh, if you don't know now, you can go home and figure it out and have a conversation another day. Um, so I think trying to have that non-anxious approach mm -hmm. to faith that doesn't come so fully armed, but comes with curiosity and a willingness mm -hmm. to learn, um, it really draws you into the company of so many people. I mean, coming back to that overlapping consensus, that's another right. way. I mean, if you care about human life and flourishing in the city of Vancouver, where the school is, we have students protesting with a rotating series of partners, depending on the issue. Right. I mean, Jesus can bring you into some really interesting company if you take if you go where he leads. And so that's part of what we're trying to develop in our students is not this heavy us and them. Yes. But very often us is them and them is mm. us. And how do we cooperate and work together for the common life and the culture in which we live? I've had more discussions about who Jesus Christ is with Buddhists when I work at the Richmond Food Bank. Um, you know, um, we didn't gather to talk about that, but we gathered to do a good thing in our community. Yeah. And they think, huh, well, yeah, tell you, me you more did, about why you're here. You didn't go in with a strategy to kind of like, again, pull no. them to your side. And I think, you know, yeah. having grown up in the evangelical church and stuff, it was, and it, for me, it's been partially VST and other places. I, I would reiterate exactly what you're saying, that mm -hmm. this engagement across some of these lines then of worldview or faith or whatever, that mm -hmm. I can be, and, and I say this not you know, with some, you know, again, trying to drag them to what I think, but I can be more Christian <laughs> in something that I feel actually lines up with how I actually pray, think about God, experience the presence of God, um, mm -hmm. and that people like, the group you're talking about in West Van or whatever will welcome me more because there's not this threat. I'm not walking mm -hmm. in with some kind of, you know, yeah. you know, I have what you, what you have to have yeah. kind of idea, but that it makes it more valuable. Um, mm -hmm. It must, I, two practical questions as we kind of mm -hmm. move towards it. One is one of the things with theological institutions that people in any higher education is cost. Mm -hmm. Like it just so, so like, oh, I'd love to take a course or I'd love to get mm -hmm. engaged there. But there, mm -hmm. one of the mm -hmm. barriers must be people just don't even walk across that line of starting because they think there's no way I could afford it. What do you kind of say to people in those kinds of circumstances? If somebody's interested in engaging mm -hmm. and yet they just can't figure out the math, what would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time when I talk to people who would like to have a theological education, for me, I, I tell them, let's just push money to one side. Let's talk about calling. Is this something you must mm. do? If, if that's why you're coming, we'll get the money. Um, and VST does everything it can to support its students uh, this year with uh, COVID because students can work less than, than they have mm. ordinarily. We provide up to 70% support for uh, tuition support for our students. Our solder program has been fully endowed through donors um, so that <clears throat> interest from investments I mean, that, that program is probably, you know, close to a $10,000 value when students will pay about $800 um, before that. So um, we, we do a lot of fundraising around this and people care about what you're doing, right? Well, I think we have a good story to tell here yeah. about what we're doing with various partners. And 
uh, people want to be a part of that. Um, and so there really we have outstanding partners in theological education because there's a story to tell, thoughtful, engaged, and generous. We did a lot of testing with that with church leaders and donors before we went with it. And they said, that's it. That's right. it. Thank well, you, you said that, that, Alison. Thoughtful, <laughs> engaging, and generous. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Um, so the last practical question I had, like directly practical, mm-hmm. is uh, about frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, you've mm-hmm. worked in a church, a number of churches. Mm-hmm. You've been a, a pastor. Um, mm-hmm. I have as well. The And now you're principal there. Mm-hmm. In, in times like this, when we're having conversations like this, we don't mm-hmm. often talk about the frustrations, mm-hmm. but any mm-hmm. workplace, any, mm-hmm. there are frustrations. There are things that like mm-hmm. you battles whatever mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how without you don't have to name frustrations but you would have those i imagine like anybody else and sure. at their worst they can kind of drag us down right but at mm-hmm. their best i assume they contribute to the sense of direction in life mm-hmm. um what generally are some of the frustrations of a principal of a theological school and how have they contributed to mm-hmm. the good work that you see vst doing yeah, I mean, the frustration is that we're a com- uh, one is that we're a complicated constituency. There's lots of stakeholders, uh, th- and and the upside of that, of course, is that many people have a stake in your organization. Many people care, and so one of my uh, one of my uh, principal jobs is again to look for the sweet spot. How what are the points we can rally to? Right. Um, I I think disagreements can be really quite lovely. Um, in the sense that when they're spirited, it usually means here's a group of people who are disagreeing on strategy, but who are equally invested in the good of this institution. And I often feel in a meeting, it's my job to say that, you know, we're having a heavy disagreement right now, but what I'm hearing is you all really care a lot about what happens here. This is excellent. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, where do you get this kind of energy? Um, When you're talking about God, of course, disagreements can be animated because i mean what matters more to people than god Uh, and so i don't necessarily see that as a bad thing Um, you just uh character is important in those in those kinds of um um, contexts Um, vst is small enough that mostly we can we can do things quickly but um i i like to when the vision is clear i like to move uh right and so um, a frustration sometimes is moving uh, as quickly because you have to bring a lot of people on site, but that's the frustration of anybody in leadership. And part of right. that is uh, to teach you patience, right? Uh, and to teach you how to pray, um, that it's not all about you. And <laughs> that very often the pushback is not resistance to you personally. It's just people don't think it's that good of an idea. And, you know, sometimes they're right if you listen um, and they can make an idea better. Um, so, so there's that, um, the frustration, you know, mostly to keep everybody headed in roughly the same direction together, yeah. you know, to allow for diversity, but not, um, a kind of sectarian existence, uh, you, you know what I mean? To keep the whole thing moving in a similar direction, yeah. but you do lots of consulting and, you know, you, you, uh, share ideas while they're under development. So you don't surprise people. If you just think of how you respond to new ideas, most of us are conservative, right? As soon as you hear something new, even people who say they're open to new ideas, your first reaction is to dig in your heels. But if you give people uh, at one meeting, you say, here's what I'm thinking about. Uh, Let's take questions for clarity. We're not going to decide anything. And then the next meeting, you make the decisions. People have a month to get back to you and to talk to you about 
uh, their concerns and interests. And then they can be reflected in what you do at the end of the day. And sometimes you just disagree and you do it um, and say, well, you know, it's not the end of your, our relationship. It's just we disagree on this and, and I'm the principal. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes it can seem in any of these things like we're moving slowly. But I look at you right now on our screen. And, and as we said, the big stone building is behind you. And the, mm -hmm. VST has really moved. In, yes. in the last number of years in the time that you have been there. And, mm -hmm. and it can sometimes feel like we don't always see that movement, but uh, but it's been great. I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that I called my last two questions practical. And then as mm -hmm. we move to, to kind of close our conversation here, mm -hmm. I have just mm -hmm. one or two more questions that I'll combine. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want to move from practical to saying faith isn't practical, but I have a couple of questions. <laughs> Very about impractical, faith. Todd. Um, <laughs> how, do, how have you seen at VST theological education relating to faith that... Mm -hmm. um, you know, as someone who attended a theological school myself, and the engagement of my faith at that time was something that really mattered to me. But to some degree, mm -hmm. and I think this is positive, that is the role of the student to say, well, mm -hmm. I have to make that translation. Like, this is an academic mm -hmm. institution. And I, mm -hmm. um, but so I question, like, how is prayer important? Do you, can you imagine sure. to a student or to a professor these kinds of ideas? Sure. Yeah, um, prayer is very important. Um, I've had some very, so to begin more personally and then to talk about the school, I've had students come in who are concerned about me in the midst of change with COVID-19. I don't think I was giving off too many uh, uh, vibes about being overly distressed, but they were concerned for me. I had students come to my office early on before we were isolated, knowing what I was dealing with, and just come in and say, we want to pray for you. I mean, that, that's, that's huge, right? That, that, that's really important about leadership. Um, it's not incidental. We talked about thoughtful, engaged, and generous. But the first part is that VST is called to educate and form. The word formation is really important. Yeah. It's a long and noble uh, notion in uh, Christian education that formation can't be held at arm's length, um, that uh, theological education takes place in the midst of prayer. Our classes begin with prayer, and it's not just a rhetorical flourish. Uh, it's it's for a prayerful class. Um, we we uh, the, the week is punctuated with chapel services, but denominationally, and then and then us together. And so much of the preaching and prayer there is directed to the formation of students. The Anglicans have daily prayer, morning prayer uh, happens online, and it's flourished. Um, especially uh, during this time on uh, our attendance has been better than, than ever it has. Mm. But uh, pr prayer is uh, the call to prayer. Um, it is key to so many things. I mean, Bart says at one point to clasp one's hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. Um, you know, there, there's been lots in the media about thoughts and prayers. And, yeah. Oh, great. You're not going to do anything. Well, no, I, I want to push back against yeah. that prayer. Thy kingdom come yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Um, H. Richard Niebuhr, who taught at Yale Divinity School some year ago, he says, you know, when you pray that part of the prayer, think of yourself in a mountain valley in the Alps that are laden with snow. Do you really want to yell out thy kingdom come? I mean, do you want what you're asking for? <laughs> um, right. And so there's a sense in which prayer is appropriate, a calling on God um, to act and move and visit and transform, to bring that world where justice and peace embrace, where uh, swords are beat into plowshares, where lions and lambs lie down together. Um, to orient one's life to that um, is 
to mm -hmm. engage in prayer. If you don't, you'll just be constantly discouraged. A prayer uh, is a posture of dependence. It says we can do what we can do, but prayer says uh, God brings God's kingdom. It's kind of named after God. Uh, you know, God's the adjective there, God, kingdom of God or God's kingdom. Um, so, uh, but prayer is absolutely ingredient to theological education is one way a theological education would differ from an education in religious studies, right? Right, where you're a little bit less confessional, although I don't buy that. I think the university is also confessional. Right. It's just a different confession. It's not neutrality, right? So it, here, it, uh, it's faith-seeking understanding. We're not doing apologetics. We're saying, okay, here's what we believe. How do we work this out? in the context of contemplation and study, study which is prayerful and prayer which is studious. I, um, again, you know, my, my gratitude for a place like VST and, and your work there, um, this positive sense of, of engaging with the world and, mm -hmm. and this engagement of faith, not only that my mind can be engaged there, I care about reading mm -hmm. and theology and these kinds of things, mm -hmm. and it can be kind of an engine, but mm -hmm. at its base, as someone who uh, is a Christian, uh, I need my faith to be engaged when I'm involved mm -hmm. in these enterprises. For me, that yeah. that matters, and that mm -hmm. happens at VST. I want to read, mm -hmm. as we kind of move to close, a little mm -hmm. Henry Nouwen quote from this little book mm -hmm. called In the Name of Jesus, which has a lot to mm -hmm. say about Christian leadership. Mm -hmm. He says, thinking about the future of Christian leadership, I am convinced that it needs to be a theological leadership for this to come about much, very much, has to happen in seminaries, divinity schools. They have to become centers where people are trained in true discernment of the signs of the time. This cannot be just an intellectual training. It requires a deep spiritual formation involving the whole person, body, mind, and heart. I read that, obviously, because I yeah. think about VST. In Bruderholtz, um, Bart talking in, in Bruderholtz, he, you know, what often kind of push back on people and it's fun, engaging conversation, hopefully like mm -hmm. this Bruderholtz podcast will mm -hmm. be moving mm -hmm. forward. Um, in one of those places, I picked up this line where he, I guess in contrast to how the word evangelical has been used, he says, mm -hmm. we too often turn the good news into bad news. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we've talked about cloister ourselves off and turn this into bad news. And so instead of evangelical, he talks about um, the disang disangelion. Um, and mm -hmm. I've kind of got this word, the disangelical, that it's become... Uh, bad news. And, and one of the things that I've loved about my engagement with VST is mm -hmm. that it's allowed me to engage my faith in this way that I experience as good news and then can feel compelled um, mm -hmm. toward the world ra rather yeah. away than yeah. away from it. Um, any yeah. thoughts on that? And I think you had a, a little Bart thing at the end too. Yeah. 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 I mean, it becomes bad news um, when we stop talking about God, because then you start to think that everything's all up to you. And you can't have a long enough do it, uh, you know, to do list. Uh, you know, we live in a world where uh, people get twitchy if they're not multitasking, right? And um, you know, where we walk away from each other while we're talking because we're in a hurry and we're not sure why. Uh, th these are the results of a world in which people uh, begin to think, and and theological schools can begin to think it's all up to us. And there is something about the language about God that makes it good news. It's not all up to us. Some of it is, um, but hope or, or joy is the sort of dividend that hope pays now, mm. right? Uh, joy comes to the fore 
when you recognize that God also is at work. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talked about how uh, history bends toward justice. I mean, that's a theological conviction, right? That, that, that saves from cynicism. Um, the, the other thing that's important that in what you just said about bad news is that a, a lot of theological education features critical thought. But mostly what people mean by critical thought is adopting a theory from outside of theology and applying it to theology and seeing what comes out the other side of the mm -hmm. sieve. Um, I think in a theological school, we're also interested in how does what Christians most deeply believe and confess operate critically in the culture? Right. Not just to say right. yes to everything, but yeah. what do we appropriate? What patterns do we yes. follow? What patterns are life-giving? So you're not saying no to everything, but right. you're not saying yes to everything. And so to get a little bit of critical uh, movement in the other direction is pretty important. Um, and the other thing to be said is that um, we hope that our graduates can do more than graduate and buy, write a book report. We'd like some people who could write books. Yes. Right? So, so critical thinking is important, but there's also constructive thinking and creative thinking born of the gospel and of hope in uh, God's work in the world. So um, I think that's one of the real important parts of a theological education. It doesn't just breed cynicism. It breeds engagement, construction, creativity, as we anticipate uh, the world uh, that, that God is bringing, uh, that I've described as lions. Well, not I've described, but quoted Isaiah, uh, lions and lambs lying down together. If you're going to live toward that world, um, what do you need to do now to take the next step to bear witness to, to a world that God, God will bring? And, and there's joy in that. Uh, when you see people actually delighting in doing those kinds of things, cutting against the grain of what is going on out there uh, in a way that illumines a more life-giving alternative. Um, the, 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 the piece from Bart is about this, about hope um, that I wanted to read. Bart is having a conversation in 1967 with a group of Mennonites who asked him about secularity, and is he all worried about it? And Bart says, not, not really. Um, and, um, you know, God is God, and okay, there's secularity. That means we're living in a world. Uh, that seculum uh, is just the world we, we live there. But then he talks about hope, and he's saying, you know, rather than always be depressed and, uh, you know, oh, the world, the world is this and that. I mean, the world is a sphere of God's activity. And so Bart says, so let us be people of hope in the world and among the other moderns, among the other secularized people without having to look at them with suspicion or from above to below, but rather as people sitting together with them on the same little bench, people who listen and look at this reality of God in Christ and who find joy in it. Don't make such sad faces. It's all right to make a serious face, but above all, make a happy face. By this, Christians should actually be distinguished from the others, namely that they are, I had almost said marry, well, the others cannot or cannot yet be married. It's important that there are people who are merry in God and who then also make others merry for God. Uh, Not a bad message right on the verge is, of Christmas. Well, yeah, yeah. we're now people will be listening to this after Christmas, but we're December mm -hmm. 23rd as we're recording. And to mm -hmm. hear that word merry mm -hmm. multiple times, especially in 2020, uh, we hope that people who uh, are interested in VST will listen to this. We hope that students who are mm -hmm. new to VST and, and, current students will listen to this. It'll give us a window into kind of 
the institution as a whole into the hopes and and so richard thank you so much for thank introducing you. us we look forward to further conversations um merry christmas to you merry christmas and, to you. Uh, yeah. and thanks so much for this time fantastic conversation thank you very much Bruder Holtz is a production of the Vancouver School of Theology. For more information about VST, visit vst.edu. Thanks for listening to Bruder Holtz.